welcome to Wicked Majesty. Hello everybody, this is Kia from Wicked Majesty and you are listening to Tea and Terror Podcast, the show that entertains with true and fictional stories from beyond the grave for people who love horror. Welcome to another night of terror and classic macabre on TN Terror Podcast. I am your host, Kia Reed. Tonight, in the second episode of the Body Snatcher series, we shine a light on the infamous Resurrection Men, the unsavory figures who roamed the graveyards under the cover of darkness. They would stop at nothing to provide fresh corpses to the anatomist. We'll dive into the secret societies, the risks they face, and the ingenious methods they employed to elude capture. Discover the shocking lengths people would go to to fulfill the demands for bodies and how their actions laid the groundwork for Stevenson's bone-chilling tale. Brace yourself for an episode that unearths the true horror behind the resurrection men. Narration will be done by Jacob Williams. If you are watching from the Wicked Majesty YouTube channel and it's your first time seeing my content, welcome to the Wicked Majesty channel. I post horror stories, gothic tales, and creepypastas that will get your blood rushing and nightmares beyond your imagination. If horror is your thing, then I encourage you to hit that subscribe button and ring the notification bell for updates on the Body Snatcher series and other videos I post each week. If you are a returning subscriber, thank you very much for watching my videos and subscribing. You definitely help my channel flourish and I greatly appreciate it. If you are listening to the podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud, then please share the TN Terror podcast with others, add it to your playlist, and subscribe. Thank you all so much. One November morning, this policy of silence was put sharply to the test. He had been awake all night with a racking toothache, pacing in his room like a caged beast or throwing himself in fury on his bed, and had fallen at last into that profound, uneasy slumber that so often follows on a night of pain, when he was awakened by the third or fourth angry repetition of concerted signal. There was a thin, bright moonshine. It was bitter cold, windy and frosty. The town had not yet awakened, but an indefinable stir already preluded the noise and business of the day. The ghouls had come later than usual, and they seemed more than usually eager to be gone. Fetz, sick with sleep, 
lighted them upstairs. He heard their grumbling Irish voices through a dream. And as they stripped the sack from their sad merchandise, he leaned dozing, with his shoulder propped against the wall. He had to shake himself to find the men their money. As he did so, his eyes lightened on the dead face. He started. He took two steps nearer with the candle raised. God almighty, that is Jane Galbraith. The men answered nothing, but they shuffled nearer the door. I know her, I tell you. She was alive and hearty yesterday. It's impossible she can be dead. It's impossible you should have got this body fairly. Sure, sir. You're mistaken entirely. But the other looked Fetz darkly in the eyes and demanded the money on the spot. It was impossible to misconceive the threat or to exaggerate the danger. The lad's heart failed him. He stammered some excuses, counted out the sum, and saw his hateful visitors depart. No sooner were they gone than he hesitated to confirm his doubts. By a dozen unquestionable marks, he identified the girl he had jested with the day before. He saw, with horror, marks upon her body that might well betoken violence. A panic seized him, and he took refuge in his room. There he reflected at length over the discovery that he had made, considered soberly the bearing of Mr. K.'s instructions and the danger to himself of interference in so serious a business, and at last, in sore perplexity, determined to wait for the advice of his immediate superior, the class assistant. This was a young doctor, Wolf McFarlane, a high favourite among all the reckless students, clever, dissipated, and unscrupulous to the last degree. He had travelled and studied abroad. His manners were agreeable and a little forward. He was an authority on the stage, skilful on the ice or the links with skate or golf club. He dressed with nice audacity, and, to put the finishing touch upon his glory, he kept a gig and a strong trotting horse. With Fetz, he was on terms of intimacy indeed. Their relative positions called for some community of life, and when subjects were scarce, the pair would drive far into the country into McFarland's gig, visit and desecrate some lonely graveyard, and return before dawn with their booty to the door of the dissecting room. On that particular morning, McFarland arrived somewhat earlier than his wont. Fetz heard him and met him on the stairs, told him the story and showed him the cause of his alarm. McFarland examined the marks on her body. Yes, it looks fishy. Well, what should I do? Do? Do you want to do anything? Least said soonest mended, I should say. Someone else might recognise her. She was as well known as the Castle Rock. We'll hope not. And if anybody does, well, you didn't, don't you see? And there's an end. The fact is, this has been going on too long. Stir up the mud and you'll get kicked into the most unholy trouble. You'll be in the shocking box yourself. So will I, if you come to that. I should like to know how any one of us would look. Or what the devil we should have to say for ourselves in any Christian witness box. For me, you know there's one thing certain, that, practically speaking, all our subjects have been murdered. McFarlane. Come now. As if you hadn't suspected it yourself. Suspecting is one thing, and proof another. Yes, I know. And I'm as sorry as you are that should have come here. The next best thing for me is not to recognise it. And I don't. You may if you please. I don't dictate. 
but I think a man in the world would do as I do. And I may add, I fancy that is what Kip would look for at our hands. The question is, why did he choose us two for his assistance? And I answer, because he didn't want old wives. This was the tone of all others to affect the mind of a lad like Fitz. He agreed to imitate McFarlane. The body of the unfortunate girl was duly dissected, and no one remarked or appeared to recognize her. Well, that is our episode for the week. Thank you for listening. If you want to hear more episodes coming up in the future, then definitely add the Tea and Terror to your playlist on Spotify or Apple Podcast. You can also check out the show on my Wicked Majesty channel. This is Kia, and I will catch you next week. Same time, same place. Have a good night.